0: Well, good morning, everybody. It's my honor and privilege to be able to share a little bit what God is doing in my life. But before we start, as you always hear at Meadowbrook, we're here to help you take your next steps. First, upward, how you're connecting with God, how are you communicating with God, which for me, the biggest challenge is, is how am I listening to God? And when I start listening, is that's how we go inward. How is God transforming us? It's not about information, it's about transformation, and and that's the exciting journey. And after that, How is God using us to go outward? And so that's what I just want to kind of share a little bit. I thank you for this opportunity that I can share just how that has happened. So I'm going to start a little bit about how did this all already start? So about two years ago, I was praying a lot to God saying, okay, I've been with the bridge for quite a few years now. We need to start thinking about how do we transition into new leadership and everything else. And he just kept saying, no, this is still the foundation I want you to work with. Trust in me and stay in here. And all of a sudden, out of that, uh, there's a longer story, but I I will just go quickly. There was an opportunity where some of the donors and or some supporters of the, uh, the bridge said, we need to start taking our faith journey a little more serious. Would you join us in starting to just reach out to God? We want to commit ourselves to God. So it turned out to be several businessmen. Just said, "We feel a little bit lonely. We don't know who to share things with when we make these big decisions. And ultimately, we want to honor God with our businesses." So it was them that we started meeting every Tuesday about two years ago. And for the first almost year, it was just about reaching up and asking God, you know, how can we be used? Show us how this capital C church could, you know, utilize our businesses as well. So there was a lot of transparency going on between us guys there, and it was just really good. And all of a sudden, there was an opportunity came by. The Knox Presbyterian Church came up for sale. And we says, oh, wow, one of our leaders there just says, okay, we're going to put an offer in. So several of us said, hey, this does sound right. Serving at the bridge all these years, we serve youth from 14 to 24. And often we would get someone that would be older, not just 25, but maybe 30, 35, 40 even though we were supposed to stick to youth, we, we could not not help, but we couldn't help to the extent we wanted to. So the, here came an opportunity when this church came out, maybe God would lead us and use this church. So we got together and several of us said, okay, they're asking an awful lot of money for this church. Churches don't sell for that kind of money. Let's put a generous offer in, but not, not asking price. So we got a, a real estate deba and We says, all right, let's put an offer in at this number. And we felt comfortable with it. And just before we let her submit it, we says, wait a minute. You know, we just sensed that God was saying, hey, everything you guys earn is my money anyway. Why are you trying to shortcut this, you know, offer? So for some reason, we got together, we prayed about it. We says, no, we feel comfortable. Let's go, let's put an asking price. And so sure enough, we says, we're going to go in for the asking price. And we prayed over it. We left it with her and we walked away. And sure enough, a day later, we come back and, and she says, guess what, guys, you got it. And we thought, oh, that was cool. We just had to be obedient. She goes, no, there was three offers, one identical to the one you first did, the second one identical to one that you did, and she didn't even tell us that, but she goes, I cut my commission, and the only reason you got it is the commission was cut. It was that close of a margin. So God got involved right off the beginning of this, and not only did she go back to this church to go put the soul sign on, she took a picture that day. Sure enough, there was a a future guest of ours with a cart sleeping on our yard, and we just says, Wow. That's not God confirming where we're going with this. I don't know what that would be. It's also the oldest church in Leamington, so we know it's been a staple of the community. It's right in the center of our community. So we do feel this is going to be an amazing opportunity for us to serve our community. So LCH, Leamington Community, Hope Center, Hope Center, the center, you're going to hear all the different variations. But when we came up with it, we wanted to grab the LCH when kind of just define what we wanted to do. Our job, our goal... Was to have lives changed, the community overall improved, and ultimately hope renewed. So, as we started playing with that more, you know, at its core, the Hope Center is a faith response to the brokenness of the physical, mental, social, and spiritual challenges within the community. We are a nonprofit, soon to be nonprofit organization based on the downtown Leamington whose mandate is to serve and help in practical, loving ways. And as we started looking at that, uh, throughout my devotions, especially this week as I was trying to prepare what to share, one of the devotions just said, what is your hope of heaven? And I said, well, that's an interesting question. Heaven, something I knew from young on. Earlier thoughts of heaven, my hope was, I'm going to float on clouds, carefree, just going to be awesome. As I got a little bit older, you know, there's talking about crowns. Well, yeah, kind of crowned would be cool. Figured my crown was not going to have too much on it, but a crown would be good. Then they talked about a room, and then it talked about, hey, I could eat and talk for hours, and no cutting off, no shutting off. All these things sounded good. No pain, carefree. And I do believe all those things will happen, so you'll hear more of me in heaven. However, (laughs) we thought about what God did, the triune God. He created everything, stars, gold, diamonds, you name it, everything in the world. And what's the most important thing that he's going to receive? And it often talks about, we're going to share that reward. And that ultimate reward is us. And all of us who have already accepted Christ, eternity has begun. We will live forever. And if that is his greatest reward, if people are his greatest reward, why am I pursuing anything else except for people? Those people, only God calls them home, but God uses us to help others come forth. If that's our biggest reward, guys, we need to find ways that we can help people. So we find Renewing hope is not just for our guests. There are those with addictions, and they're homeless, and they're lonely, and they're mental ill, and all kinds of guests will come. But we need to renew hope within our volunteers, our staff, the community and donors. Ultimately, we need to renew it in the Capital C Church. This venture is not something we're going to try to do alone. We need the body of Christ to work together. And ultimately, this community needs to have hope in Christ again. So what do we offer over at LCH? So some of the things that we've already started is the resource drop-in. So seven days a week, we are open from six to ten, and they can come in and not only get a hot meal, but they can ask for anything else they want. When we started this several months back, we would have anywhere from three to five to start, and I hate to report that we're over 60 a night right now. There are that many hurting people in our community who are coming out every night. We also have a donation center with clothing and hygiene options. So when they come in, uh, often they don't have any of those things. So we allow them to take that with them. Uh, There's a pantry. Uh, In the fall, we're going to start the Alpha program. I know our church has been pretty familiar with the Alpha. There's a lot of hurting community members here that have not met Jesus yet. So we feel Alpha is an amazing program that will allow them to come in. And our goal is we are looking for volunteers, but our goal is not to create a congregation at the center. We're hoping that Other members of Christ will come in and join, and they would. we'll use the word graduate from Alpha into a local congregation. We want them to serve in our community with them. And obviously with addictions, we're going to need the AA, NA, Al-Anon. There's a lot of different special interest groups coming in. There's already a Bible study for the Hispanic community, so that not only are they getting Bibles, but they can have a nice study together where they can grow together. We're going to rent out the facility, and we do have an event coming up with a faith-driven entrepreneur. I know some of you guys are signed up. If not, ask more questions. It could even be rented out as a chapel. There's a lot of different opportunities uh, where we can just use the the, the facility itself to raise some money to make this happen. Uh, There's also going to be, which I think is one of the most important there, the Christian coaching for both men and women. Non-believers, early believers, or even struggling believers, which we fall into... It is amazing to be able to sit down with a fellow man or woman of Christ that may have walked certain journeys that you're going to walk into or are in the middle of just to get that one-on-one coaching or if you want a small group. So if you're interested in any of that, please reach out to us and see what we can do to help with that coaching as well. As you know, God always puts dreams for the future. So this group also feels that we want to do more than what we already are doing with the, the facility. And a lot of this stuff may not and will not be in the facility, but will be linked to this group. So similar to the bridge, we want to be a resource center where people will migrate to to start things. But we believe over years there will be several locations we will be working with. So one of the things that we already are in the middle of uh, trying to work out the details is a halfway or dry homes. There's many different words for it. But men and women who have maybe gone to detox and they need a place to stay as they get the hand up and need to find new things to go. So our dream right now is to create a facility where we could have up to 12 men live, so Leamington members don't have to go up to the city or London or anywhere else. And they can live there with a live in member, and they, they would do different counseling and sessions at the house, but more than anything, again, come to the center for the meals, AA, NA, depending what their struggle is, and go further. And not only that, a lot of them have really changed their lifestyle to the point they've lost their white, their families sometimes their job. And so we realize just because you're off your addictions, you're not ready to go back into society right away. So what we want to do is create a back-to-work program where they can come in, work a couple hours a day, a couple days a week, until they build the stamina and routine to work all week long. And then we already have several businesses who are willing to work with them as they come back to work. And then ultimately they're going to need housing, long-term housing and everything as well. So those, that is both for men and women. We're excited about getting that going. The other part about the center that we want to do is multi-language services. So today we have a gifted gentleman in Ben here. speaks three different languages already, Spanish, French, and English. And we have different gentlemen like Samdi and them are volunteering, depending on the demand, that we can bring different people in and just have, again, services in their language where they get introduced to the hope of God. And ideally, once they do, we would like to hook them up with a stable church where they could really grow further and further in their, in their dreams of where they want to get with Christ the emergency housing many people are asking can the homeless stay with you night and you know night and day and our answer at this point is not yet we've been told by many city factors do not create a shelter in your home you know that should be reserved for cities and we have the city close by so our goal is we do want some emergency housing we don't know how that will play out but we're 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 dreaming and praying and we ask you to join us in that what that could look like And then ultimately, long-term housing. I think all of you know we're over 10,000 homes short here in our community where we just don't have enough housing. With interest rates going up and everything else, it's going to be difficult. So we're also looking into how could we have long-term housing for those that can't afford everything to do that. And then Christian-based recovery programs. So we are looking at Celebrate Recovery. We're looking at Freedom Sessions. So pray with us to see what is the next step as we look for different things to offer our community as they want to continue to grow. We also can't do this alone. So not only do we want to partner with the Capital C Church of our community, but here are just a a few of them, the Leamington Food Hub, the Leamington Homeless Hub, SCCC, Leamington's Lion Club. We want to partner with the right resources. That's always important. We can't partner with everyone, but definitely the right resources. One of the statements that's always said, if you leave it up to everyone else, nobody's going to do it. So that's something about our group is that we're saying, we don't have all the answers, but we're going to step forth. Whether it's hard or easy, sometimes God gives us a little easy journey, but usually it's hard. We're willing to take that step and get it done and then see who is ready to come with us and to make that happen. So some of the questions, how can you help? So there's a lot of volunteer opportunities. As we're getting ready for the Alpha Table Leaders, as I mentioned earlier, we could really use people who are, have a heart for people and to share the gospel with them. Come and volunteer, whether you're prepping the meals, you're at the table. We're just going to need a lot of volunteers that would be, and or leaders, that will help get this program off the ground. The hospitality team, the kitchen team, uh, resource drop-in center uh, with donations and stuff. If you guys want to make a donation, we are in the process of being able to do that. But we've already partnered with a local community member where if you want to make a donation, you need a receipt, they're willing to work with that. So if that is where you're at, uh, please come see Jennifer, Ben, or any of the staff and they'll walk you through that. You can't make it out directly to the center. It's going to be a collaboration with our partnership. So stay tuned. One thing about this group is there's a lot of you know entrepreneurs involved. They jump on different initiatives pretty quickly. So I'd advise that you get online with us and just see all the new opportunities that are, are going to come. And so here, I'd like to just introduce some of our staff already. We feel we're only as good as the people you're, you surround yourself with. So we have been so blessed to be able to hire these four staff in this relatively short period of time. So we have Jennifer Hyde, our ED, who's already done amazing work just connecting with everybody in the community and, and getting some of this stuff going. Obviously, Ben, who you'll meet shortly, uh, his position is a coordinator of spiritual health, but he has done a lot of work with the renovations and just, you know, all the things that need to be done. Ben never complains. Whatever needs to be done, he, he just jumps in it. Uh, just uh, about a month ago, we hired Judy Bueller, coordinator of physical health, and what an amazing lady. She just has such a heart for the community. She's been praying for years about a position where she could go out of the healthcare system and just get into the community and be able to serve meals and work with the community. So she, her word's not mine. She would love to retire doing this. Uh, she's just so blessed and, and just a wonderful coordinator, but again, no bigger heart for the community than what Judy has and then Roy Hyde is going to come on board here here in a few weeks, and he's going to be Director of Programming. With the amount of programs we plan on running and already are running, we really need someone that's going to stay focused to make sure they all align and you know have all that you know, intricate things figured out, how they all work together and, and not against each other. We've also had just an outpouring of wonderful volunteers. I couldn't begin to name all of them, but we have so many gifted volunteers already volunteering, so we don't have any get, like open gaps where we can't serve. But as we keep growing, we're going to need a lot more volunteers. So what I'd like to do is just uh, show you a quick video of Jennifer Hyde, if she was not able to come today, but you can meet her now. And she has an invitation that we have coming up here for an open house.
1: Hi, everyone. For those I have not yet met, my name is Jennifer Hyde, and I'm the Executive Director of the Leamington Community Hope Centre. Many of you are familiar with us already, but some of you might not be you may be wondering what is the Leamington Community Hope Center or what exactly do you do there? To give you a quick overview, we are a nonprofit organization and we purchase the Old Knox Presbyterian Church downtown Leamington. We offer a drop-in program seven nights a week where we cook and serve a meal to approximately 65 people in need on a nightly basis. We also provide clothing, hygiene items, and offer various recovery programs, including Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, and more. We offer Christian mentoring, a take-home food pantry service, and we are thrilled to be launching a program called Alpha in the fall. Alpha introduces people to the basics of who God is, and what does it mean to have a loving Heavenly Father? Now I'm sure you have a lot of questions, and maybe at this point you would like to see the center, or you might even be wondering, how can I get involved? Well, I'm excited to let you know that on Saturday, September 9th, from one until 4 p.m., we will be hosting an open house for all of the local church community. Our desire is for the Hope Center to be an extension of our local churches, a place for you to partner and collaborate with us to bring God's love to Leamington and to restore hope to the people in our community. There are a lot of ways for you to get involved, whether that be through prayer, through financial giving, or through hands-on volunteering. We would love to have the opportunity to chat with you, to give you a tour of the Hope Centre, and to answer any questions you might have. So please, mark your calendars for Saturday, September 9th. It is a drop-by event, so feel free to stop by any between 1 and 4 p.m. and you can wander through the building at your own pace. We are wheelchair accessible, and our entire team will be there to meet you and tell you all about the amazing things happening at the Leamington Community Hope Centre. We look forward to seeing you then.
0: So yeah, join us there if that date September 9th, 1 to 4, is available for you. If you're anything like me, I like to see and feel and look around and, and also meet the staff and some of our amazing volunteers. Also, after the service today, we'll be out in the lobby if you have any uh, Questions, or if you want to get involved or get information, we'll have little cards for you so you don't have to write it up right now. So, yeah, come out on those days or meet us here afterwards. So, at this point, it is my honor to introduce a kind, compassionate, long haired carpenter <laughs> who just loves people. No, it's not him, but it is my honor and my friend. Uh, please join me in welcoming Ben Gagne.
2: Good morning, everybody. Feels good to be in church. Um, Feels even greater to be able to express my heart for some things that have been brewing in my life for quite some time. So, uh, just to reiterate, I'm the coordinator of spiritual health at the Hope Center, which is uh, a long title for someone that hopes to just help people encounter Jesus and uh, to do that strategically and to do that with partnerships like this, partnerships with our local churches. Um, just take a minute here, and I'll uh, just pray before I start. God, I thank you for your church, God, because it is the hope of the world. God, I thank you for the message of your Son, who came and lived a life like us, God, fully human and fully God, and stepped in this world and brought a plan of redemption for all of mankind. God, I thank you that there is an invitation at the table for everyone, to come and taste and see how good you are. So God, I pray this morning with my words that they would be yours. God, that they would communicate to the hearts of people in this community and, and even be a special message for a few people today. A message that God loves them and that God desires to use their life for a greater plan and purpose than they could ever imagine. And it is so true. So God, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So the passage I'm going to talk to to you about today is actually from John 4, and it's verses 1 to 42, but I won't read the entire passage, but I'll read part of it. So it says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples, disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town... In Samaria, called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well near sorry near the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, "Will you give me a drink?" His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as as did also his sons and his livestock? There we go. Are you greater than our father? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but the Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I've ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him. And he stayed two days, and because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Sorry for a long-winded thing, but I think you really should know the whole story and have a good perspective of what I'm talking about. And I actually love this story. It's actually one of my favorites from the Scripture verses, and I'll tell you a little bit why. I truly believe that if we unpack this scripture together today, we'll learn a lot about God's heart for the world and how there's an invitation that comes from him for us for, for us to join him in that mission. So, so in this scene, Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee. And this is really important because at this time, a lot of the Jewish people would actually travel all the way around Samaria as opposed to going through Samaria to actually get to that region which really doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, if they had GPS capabilities at the time, it'd be very clear that you should probably just go straight through, you're wasting a lot of time, you know, and they did this even so much to the point where they actually crossed the river Jordan twice because they just did not want to deal with these Samaritans. They did not deal want to deal with the people of Samaria. So so what does that tell us? Well, there's a feud that's been brewing for hundreds of years. You know, the Jewish people of this time, they actually seen the Samaritans as, you know, they've they've crossed the lines they've really ruined the orthodoxy of our faith and what we believe in they've intermarried with people who aren't followers of god you know it got to the point where they just couldn't meet eye to eye and and the reality was for the jew you know the samaritan was the enemy and for the samaritan the the jew was the enemy as well so you know it just went back and forth you know and it's just one of those things where you know jesus said I, i'm not going to do that um, I have an an intention of why I would go through this place and why I would do that. You know, and on top of that, you know, in this moment it says later in verse 27, it says, the disciples returned and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. At this time, for the Jewish people, you know, especially a rabbi, it was kind of not the thing you did. You know, as a rabbi, you didn't talk to a woman in private in a setting like this. You didn't talk to them in public. That just wasn't what you really do even to the point that a lot of rabbis at the time wouldn't even talk to their wives and children in public. This is how big of a deal it was. I even read somewhere, and this is kind of comical and also a little bit ridiculous, there was a group of Pharisees that they used to call the bleeding and bruised Pharisees because every time they saw a woman in public, they would close their eyes or cover their eyes, which led to them running into buildings and, and just doing really ridiculous things, right? And getting injured for no reason whatsoever and kind of taking a very religious stance on that. So, you know, there's also the question of the time of day that Jesus came, you know, and la- the time of the day that the lady was there. It was noon. I don't know if you've ever been in that area of the world, but around noon in the Middle East going into the afternoon is the hottest time of the day. So why would you come and fetch water, which is a very difficult task because I did it with some African ladies and I could not keep up (laughs) many years ago. And, um, you know, why would you do it then? And and also it was kind of social time for the ladies. They'd go in the morning, you know, go get their water, talk about their husbands and their families and what's going on around town, you know. So it just didn't really make sense to go that time of day. So maybe it points to something that Maybe this lady was a little bit ashamed of where her life was at or just didn't feel understood by those around her, but by any means, she was coming at the middle of the day, and Jesus was intentional about meeting her there. So, this begs the question, and the question I have for you today is, where is your Samaria, and who are the Samaritans in your life? Who are the people that you avoid or you cross the street or you don't want to engage with or the people in the community or just certain groups that just kind of irk you the wrong way and you just can't find a way to connect and and rather than engage, you withdraw. Or sometimes you even create a bit of a vendetta of, I don't understand them, so therefore I'm going to just do everything I can to fight against them. But the reality is, the route of love that is marked by mercy, grace, and compassion and forgiveness is often the road less traveled. But it's the road that leads to life, and it's the, in this arena that we find our meaning and purpose. You see, Christ-like love lived out fully is the most powerful agent for change in our world. His compassion compels us to go to the places and the people the world's forgotten about. In 2014, I spent a season of my life in Calcutta, India. And let me tell you, Calcutta is one of those places that's unlike anywhere else I've ever been. It is full of smells, full of noise, full of craziness, you know, and it's full of people. And that's actually a, a photo of one of the main streets in Calcutta. And I, I, I kid you not, this is, this is the regular, there's a lot of people. It's shoulder to shoulder. It's kind of crazy. But above anything, I actually met a lot of really incredible people. Um, you know, my memories are not so much about the craziness and the wildness and the poverty, of that area, but actually meeting some incredible believers of God. And I'll tell you about one woman. Her name was Guy Tree. And I met her in the context of being in a church service that she was running in her own home. And let me tell you, there wasn't really anything fancy about this church service. There wasn't, you know, the music was not good. You know, the setting was a one-bedroom apartment where people were sitting on the floor on some rickety chairs and even on Guy Tree's own bed you know, in a one-bedroom apartment in a pretty rough area of town. Well, let me tell you, I, I, I witnessed church with a capital C. Um, you know, in fact, during that service, I remember my dad, he was there visiting with me during that time. And we just sat there and we wept, you know, didn't understand a word what was going on. But, man, there was so much grace and God's spirit was with us. But I'll tell you why. Why it was so special there, and it was because of Tree. You see, Gayatri was a prostitute for a number of years um, and just struggled and was you know, tricked into a life that she thought was something else, and when she was in it, it was impossible to get out. And even when she was no longer marketable, um, she could never really leave that lifestyle because society saw her a certain way, and it was not a life that she chose for herself. But the reality is, in that church in guy trees home you know after she experienced a transformation with some missionaries a number of years before you know that church service was full of former and current current prostitutes let me tell you if you've ever been in a church full of people from that life it'll blow you away there wasn't anything special about it um In fact, actually, the service was going on in the very red light district that Gayatri spent so many years in because she moved back in. She had found her Samaria and said that when I encountered Jesus, I need to go back and live with them. I was so, so blown away by what I saw. That someone would go back to the very place of torture and darkness and actually be a light there. And I got to sit down there with you know, people who were current or former prostitutes. And even at one point in the service, a man who came down there to do what you would imagine a man would come to do there stepped in the service and was in tears because God had met him there. Because even him, he's looking for something to fill his life and there's a void. And, and he found it in the home of a former prostitute who had an encounter with Jesus. I love this quote by Mother Teresa. And it's very fitting because Mother Teresa's home for the dying was actually right across the street from this brothel area. So stay where you are, find your own Cal- Calcutta, find the sick, the suffering, and the lonely right where you are. In your own homes, in your own families, and homes in your workplaces and in your schools. You can find Calcutta all over the world if you have the eyes to see. I tell you what, we live in Calcutta right now. Leamington is one of those places, you don't have to go halfway across the world, but by all means, if God calls you, please go. But it's right here around us. And as difficult as it is, you know, I want to transition a little bit back into the story just to kind of unpack this a little bit more. As um, so the story continues, Jesus asks the woman for a drink. And it was pretty obvious with their cultural differences that she was kind of questioning Jesus, like, you know, why you know how things work, you know, why why are you spending time with me? You know, and instead of Jesus kind of explaining, you know, why he's doing this or kind of work his way out of, you know, figuring that all, he just answers and kind of reveals a little bit more of who he is. And he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. You know, the lady at this point, she's perhaps a little bit perplexed and kind of trying to figure out, you know, where are you going with this? You know, but obviously there was starting to, the, the wheels are starting to spin and realize, I think the water he's talking about is not actually in this well. You know, maybe it's actually something altogether more powerful. You know, so Jesus proclaims that everyone who drinks the water he has to offer will never be thirsty again. The water he has an offer for those who drink it will become like a spring welling up inside each person till to eternal life. You know, let's take a second and let's put ourselves in this woman's shoes. At this point, we already know that she's been married five times. And then she's on potential husband number six or however things are going. And, you know, honestly, this isn't necessarily, you know, culturally, like, different or anything like that. Because at that time, things with marriages and whatnot in their culture and the reasons why a marriage would end and why you would get remarried were very complicated but what we do know is that there's a sense in that woman, whether it's a sense of regret and shame for sin in her life that's led her to be alone at this well at this time of the day, or it's a sense of being misunderstood or feeling like she's perhaps been in a camp of people where nobody's actually got to hear her story and know what, how she's got to be where she is now. So it asks, you know, I have to ask the kind of the same question. You know, how often do we label people in our society without knowing their story? How often do we write someone off you know because we see them one way when there 's probably a reason they 've got to be where they 're at? you know I have to ask the question: Are we offering living water to people from the well of our lives, or have our wells gone bitter and dry? You see a lot of times in society today, I see a lot of bitterness and Hatred coming out of the wells of a lot of people who call themselves Christians as opposed to this living water that's supposed to bring hope. You know, this living water that God has graciously given to us. You know, it's time that we change the narrative. Let's be known for what we are for rather than what we are against. Let's spend more time being a positive force of influence in our society than trying to run away and hide from it. I tell you, and I can tell you this sincerely, if you take the time to go to the places that God cares about, those places that are forgotten, that are lonely, that are dark, you will encounter Jesus there. There is an absolute truth and a weight to that. So this living water on offer should be the overflow of our lives, spreading like a tidal wave of grace in our society. We could use the title Wave of Grace in this society, could we not? It's a grace that recognizes the value and worth of every person and it sees the people behind the pain. That every person who calls this planet home is intentionally created by a loving God and their life has meaning and purpose. Do you believe that this morning? That every single person, regardless of the biases that you have, regardless of how you think, how you've been raised how you've been wired or how society has told you that every person has value. I have to ask this question almost every day because it's challenging. It's challenging that when you're hurt by a group of people or hurt by someone to continue to love them. Or it's challenging to see that your society is changing and there's things that you don't agree with because it's hurting people and say that I still have to love those people. But we're called to do it. And it's rewarding and it's the right thing to do. Continuing back to that, our story here, it said, The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of town and made their way toward him. And the revelation of Christ revealing who he was, she dropped her jar at the well, and she went back and said, Come see the man who knows everything about me. Could he be the Messiah? I love that because in a a lot of ways, I, I paraphrase it maybe for a little bit more in our modern day language or even what I feel like this could mean. It says, Come meet the man, God in human flesh, who knows everything I've ever done, who knows me deeply and intimately, and who knows about all the good, the bad, and the ugly, and still accepts me as I am and loves me. Could he be the savior of the world? Come, everyone. See him for yourself. And the beauty of the ending of this story, just to go over, you know, she, she goes back to town, and she says this message, these people come, and they actually see Jesus for who he is, and they follow him too. You know, in this moment of redemption. And... Um, In a small way, I wanted to tie this all back into what we do at the center. You know, the reality at the center is that we see a lot of different people come through our doors um, from every walk of life that you could possibly imagine, from dysfunction and pain and hurt on levels that I never even thought possible. But you know what the beauty of all of that is that there's a person there and there's a name behind all of that. You know, they're not just statistics, they're actually real people. And I'm willing to bet, and I don't know everybody's story here, but I'm, I'm sure there's some of those people who come through our doors that are connected to families here. And that's a thing to take seriously, right? But, you know, one of the beauties of having our volunteers and even just being a staff is that a lot of our volunteers come and they're a little bit apprehensive and they're going to go, I don't know, how, how am I going to connect with these people? They look at you, Ben, you got the long hair and you look a little bit scruffy. It's a pretty easy transition for you. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, yeah, whatever, sure. But no, but there's, there's more of a reality than that, you know. And, and I often tell them, you know, I said, you know what? When I, when I first started working here as a staff, one of my greatest privileges was watching volunteers transform from seeing people a certain way to being, being overjoyed of how they could actually reach them with the love of Christ. And it, there's this transition, there's this change that happens that. The homeless man that you saw that you kind of walked across the street from and was like, oh, I don't have the time to deal with that, now becomes your friend because you actually know him by name. So instead of walking by him on the street, you actually say, hey, John, how's it going? How are you doing today? What's going on? How's your family doing? Did you go to the hospital? Did you get your things checked out? The quote-unquote crazy lady who's roaming in the street and almost got hit by a car is a, is a lady that you actually sat down and got to know her story and, and realize how much she struggles with mental health and how much there is to unpack and know about her life, and she's actually a beautiful soul, just greatly, greatly misunderstood and greatly underhelped. Or that lazy, quote-unquote, young adult that roams around the street with a beer can in their hands. You know, actually, he's someone that, from the very young age, experienced unfathomable abuse and has been trying to put the pieces back together again, and he just needs someone to come around and say, hey, man, we got you. We'll get you through this. To make this more real, let me share a moment I had like this just the other day at our drop-in program. And I kind of wrote this as a little bit of a a journal entry, so just allow me to read it. A young woman enters the room. If I had to guess, she's around 30 years old. Her body shows signs of a young woman who has lived the hard life for quite some time now a beautiful young girl who has tasted the bitter pill of years of abusive drug use and hardships that entrap the streets of Leamington. Her teeth are all but gone, but she still has a beautiful smile. It shows life in the shadows. Her skin sticks to her bones. Her shoulders and her shoulder blades appear as if they could pierce through her skin. On her bare shoulders, there's a tattoo that calls both her identity In the state that she is in, it reads, Daddy's little girl. Yeah, she's Daddy's little girl. Just as it was offered to the Samaritan woman. It is my prayer that this young woman and many others around our community would come to see a Heavenly Father. A Father who knows everything about them, their past, their heartbreak, and their pain, and loves them deeply despite all of it. I pray that they would come and drink this living water that brings life here, now, and forevermore. You see, the title of my sermon, it said, Hope Has a Name. It's Jesus. But just telling someone about Jesus is not quite enough. Perhaps showing them who Jesus is and our actions and our words can fit the bill. At this time, I'd like to invite the uh, worship team because I got carried away (laughs) in what I'm doing, but I'd like to end with just a quick prayer. God, I thank you for your grace. God, I thank you for your grace that you've so lavishly extended and poured out on all of us. And, God, that grace is not a grace to just put under a basket, as your word says, God, but to put it on a hill for all to see, to see that Jesus is the light of the world and the light of our own community. So, God, I pray today if there's people in this room who have not experienced the lavish grace of God, I pray that in the sound of my voice, God, they would hear the love of the Father for them today. God, for the young man who struggles to see the light, that there is hope for him. For the young woman who hates herself because she doesn't like the way she looks, God, there is hope for her. God, there is hope for the addicts in our communities, the broken families, the abuse. God, there is hope in those situations today. So God, we just ask that you would use us to be a blessing. God, a blessing on the people around us. And Lord, I pray that you continue to grow the burden. The burden to reach out and to give a helping hand. So Lord, I pray today if there's a connection that someone feels with the work of the center, that they would come and talk with us. And see how they could help. And at the very least, even if it's not at the center, that they would just continue to live a life that just shows who you are. Because God, there is so many who are waiting to come and see that you are good and you are the Father that loves us. So I pray a blessing on this wonderful church and the vision that they have for the community in Jesus' name. Amen.